Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here at South Bay Community Church. I know to many of you guys, I might be an unfamiliar face. As Dave, Pastor Dave was saying, I'm the youth pastor here at South Bay Community Church, and Pastor Gary is off. Uh, he's in Japan right now, just searching out different opportunities for us to advance the gospel out there. And Pastor Greg is having some uh, much-needed time uh, with his family. And so I got the privilege and the honor of being here with you guys uh, this, this morning. But hey, before I get started with the message, you know, I, I know that there were some tragic events that unfolded this past Friday. And, you know, the sad thing is it, it, it just seems to continue to happen, uh, so much so that it's become more familiar than anything else. I remember the first time that I saw a tragic incident like what happened this past Friday in Santa Fe, Texas. I remember being glued to the TV set, wanting to find out all the information that I could because I just couldn't believe what was happening. And yet here I was this past Friday and I was just scrolling through the internet and I saw that there was a school shooting and I just passed right on over it because I just thought, oh, another day, right? But, you know, that's when God really convicted me and, and he challenged me. He says, James, this is, this is more than just another shooting. These are lives that have been lost and this is, this is the evil that exists in this world. And, you know, I just thought that, you know, as a, us as a church, I, I'm not sure how you feel about it. I don't know if God has really been moving your heart uh, because of the events that have unfolded or if you become numb to it like I have. But I thought, you know what, there are people that are hurting physically. There are people that are hurting emotionally uh, and, of course, spiritually. And so I thought, hey, you know, this, this, so many people have an idea of what the problem is, but what I do know is it is a sin problem, and the only one that can truly, truly handle sin is God. So I thought, what better way we can start this morning than just lifting them up and asking God to do what only God can do, and that's to, to combat that sin, but also to love these people that have been impacted and affected by the tragic events that unfolded that day. And so would you guys mind praying with me real quickly? Let's pray for the people of Santa Fe, Texas, and those that were involved. God, we come before you, and God, I am, uh, I am lost for words. Um, God, it seems to happen so frequently that I know for me, I can get so numb to it. And yet, God, if I pause and I really think about it, God, your heart must break because those are people whom you love and you see what sin can do and how it can infect and contaminate people's lives so much so to that point of evil coming forth. And God, we have many ideas and thoughts and many arguments of what should be done and how it should be addressed. But God, we come before you because we know that it's so much deeper so much deeper than laws and so much deeper than these incidents. But God, it's a sin problem. And the only way, only person that can address sin is you. And so God, we lift, we lift up everything that's going on in this world. And we ask that you would continually make yourself known. And that God, you would work in such a way to combat evil. And I know that one of the ways, God, is through us, your believers. And God, yet we don't know exactly what to do, and we think sometimes prayers just aren't enough, but God, in reality, you are the only one powerful enough and capable enough to handle all of these different things. And so we come before you, and we ask, God, would you please, please help? Would you provide love and comfort to those hurting? God, would you provide peace in the midst of such unrest? And God, in some way, somehow, by your supernatural power, would you bring about change? And God, here we are now, and tonight, today, I don't know what and why everyone is here, 
God, everybody's here for a different reason and a different purpose, but God, I know and I believe that nobody is here by accident. And so, God, I pray now your word would go forth, and God, by your spirit's presence and power, you would challenge us, you would convict us, and that, God, you would draw us closer to you, that you would reveal yourself in a mighty and powerful way, because that's exactly who you are, mighty and powerful. And so, God, we love you, and we thank you, and we look forward to learning from you tonight. We love you, and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so uh, we're in this series called God Inside. We took a break for a few weeks. So two weeks ago, we had Illuminate, where we heard about the different opportunities of missions that God has been putting on our heart here at South Bay Community Church. And then last week, we had a special Mother's Day uh, celebration. But today, we're going to jump right back in to the whole God Inside series, where we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And just for a refresher, you know, Pastor Gary had this illustration of just what this looks like, this idea of the Trinity. It's not that we believe in three separate gods. We only believe in one, but there's three persons to this God. There's God the Father, there's Christ, Jesus Christ the Son, and of course, there's the Holy Spirit. And yet the Holy Spirit, this Godhead, is often forgotten. As Francis Chan put it, he is the forgotten God. And yet he is not one whom we should forget. Why? Because Jesus himself even said it is better for him to leave and to depart the earth because there is someone greater, there is someone greater for us to come, and that was the Holy Spirit. And, and so in the past few weeks, we've learned a couple of things. We've learned that the Holy Spirit is significant in a believer's life. We, we, believe, we, we understand that the Holy Spirit seals our salvation with his presence in our souls. We've understood that the Holy Spirit, he identifies us as believers. And Pastor Greg, he noted just a few weeks ago at the end of his last message that as believers, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. But we also need to have the Holy Spirit be constantly filling us as well. And he showed us this example of how like in a glass, it could be full with water, but, and you could drop something like an Alka-Seltzer packet inside. But if it's still in the package, it can be in us. But unless you take it out of the package and let it really engulf you, it's not really evident in us. And this analogy made me think, it made me think to a cartoon character that I used to watch back in the 80s. All right, I don't know if you guys know this uh, cartoon character, but this is Prince Adam. Does anybody maybe know Prince Adam? Kind of, yeah, I hear some claps. Okay, maybe you don't know Prince Adam, but you might know his alter ego, He-Man, right? That's He-Man. He's considered the master of the universe. And, and I love this show, but you know, I thought of Adam because here's Adam, and he was just one of the rulers of this nation, and yet when trouble and adversaries came his way that he couldn't overcome on his own, he would take out this magical sword, and I don't know where he kept it, but he just like always came out of his back, and he would point it up to the skies, and he would say, by the power of Grayskull, and then all of a sudden, like, electricity would just start to fill the air, and he would be zapped with his power, and then, like, all of a sudden, like, you see the energy surging inside of him, and, and then all of a sudden, he becomes He-Man right? Master of the universe, and he could conquer anything and everything that, he, that comes his way. And then if you take a look, though, like, there's, there's not too much difference. People looked at Adam and He-Man, and they didn't know that they were the same person. I, I don't know how that is. I mean, they pretty much look exactly the same, except that when he becomes He-Man, he loses some clothes. But, um, but, but there was a significant difference. So much so, so much power was running through this man that many feared his name. And, and yet even at the same time, people couldn't even recognize him and, and equate him to this guy, Adam. And, and it made me think of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I feel like many of us today, 
are kind of like He-Man. We have, and he would yell, I have the power, right? When he's turning into He-Man. I feel like many of us, we have the power. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. But rather than living like He-Man, we've been living like Adam. We've been living like a man that doesn't have any power to accomplish anything. And so today what I wanted to do is I wanted us to examine the scriptures to learn how we can be filled with the Holy Spirit so that it could be evident in our life. Because this is what I believe. I believe that the Holy Spirit in our lives should remind us that we have the power, a supernatural power that should make us unrecognizable to the rest of the world around us. I I believe that what is key for us to experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit And claim the power inside of us, just like He-Man, is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And so if you guys have your Bibles, would you guys take a moment and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at a few verses before 18 and after 18 as well. But we're going to start here in verse 18. If you guys don't have your Bibles, hopefully you guys grab the program. Inside, there's an insert with the verses. We'll also put the verses up here for you guys to follow along. And if you guys have the Bible app or we have an SBCC app, you can follow along in there as well. But let's take a look at what Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says. This is Paul, the writer of this verse and this book. This is what he says. He says, do not, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled, filled with the Spirit. Again, it says, do not be drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5 18 we discover that this isn't just a mere suggestion, like maybe, sort of, kind of, possibly be filled with the Spirit. But instead, Paul, he's commanding us to be filled with the Spirit. Paul tells us that we shouldn't be drunk with wine, but we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so basically, if you kind of take a look at it, he's saying we don't need spirits, we need the Spirit, right? And and the word filled, though, is another word that I want us to take a a little deeper look at. Because the word fill has so many shades in its original context and meaning. One translation of the word fill describes the concept of how wind fills a sail of a ship as it carries it out to sea. By that definition, to be filled by the Spirit then is to allow God to fill your sails and to guide you through the course of life, making his commands a delight. And yet another definition of fill that I want to speak to is this idea of it being something that is continuous and ongoing. You could translate it as it being, as it being said, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like you have to constantly put gas in the car, be being filled, continue to refill, continue to fuel up with the Holy Spirit. See, Paul's command can be interpreted in simple ways like this, continually be filled. Don't stop being filled. See, we need the constant filling of the Holy Spirit. We need to constantly be filled so that we can experience his power and presence daily in our life. Because I don't know about you, but I know I need the Holy Spirit more than just in a moment, more than just in an experience, but every single moment of every single day of my life. Because there are moments, there are every single day, there are things that I am too weak to conquer, And so 
Let's take a look at why Paul might say this, why it's so important for us to be commanded to continue to be keep filled. And so we will take a look at a couple of verses before 18 and a couple of verses uh, after. In verse 15, that's where we'll start. Ephesians 5, 15, it says this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, so that addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you guys could see just a little bit in there, right before the verses in 18, and before we're being told to be filled, he tells us, man, the, the days are evil. And so for us, how, how can we live in these days that are evil? Well, he calls us to live as the wise and not as the foolish. And he says that one of the ways to do that is to live under the control, under the filling of the Holy Spirit, to walk away from the old way of living, the old way of thinking, and to walk in step with the spirit to a new and more fuller life. And so this leads me to uh, my first point today. Would you guys write this down? The Holy Spirit's presence and his power is necessary. It's necessary for, life, for, for every believer in life. The Holy Spirit's power is necessary for every believer in this life. It's essential something that we cannot live without in order for us to live wisely rather than foolishly. And it wasn't just Paul that said this. It was also Peter, one of the apostles. He said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, he gives us a reason of why it is necessary for us to have God's power, the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. It says in verse 3, his divine power, would you guys underline the word power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life. Would you guys underline the word life? And godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. I had you guys underline the word power and just to give you guys an idea of the Greek definition, the, the original meaning of this word, it comes from the word dynamis. And you guys might know what this equates to in the English language. It's this idea of dynamite, right? And so it's basically telling us that the divine power of God, this Holy Spirit power of God is supposed to be dynamic. It is supposed to be explosive. It is supposed to be impactful. And if we, get, if we take a look at Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11, we get a feeling for just how powerful the Holy Spirit's power is. In verse 9, it tells us, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God, He dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And He tells us in verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. The claim here is saying the Holy Spirit, he's the one that dwells in us. And the Holy Spirit has the power, the power to raise Christ from the dead. 
the same power that resurrected Jesus is supposedly living inside of you and me. This is greater power than even He-Man himself, right? This is supernatural power. This is resurrection power. There is nothing like it in all of the world. And yet, how is it that more of, most of us look more like Adam than He-Man? It's supposed to be dynamic and supernatural. It's supposed to be something that pertains to all of life even. I had you guys underline the word life in First Peter. Why? Because, in Second Peter, because in the Greek word, it, it's come from this word zoe. And if you look at the definition, it says it can, it, this represents all of life, every single nook and cranny of life itself. There's no part of life that it doesn't comprehend and pertain to. So basically, if we look again at Second Peter, it tells us that God has given us divine power for all things that pertain to all, every single aspect of our life. And, and, and so today what I wanted to do is I wanted to continue to unpack how it is necessary for us in our lives. And there's so much that we need in regards to life itself. And there's so many ways that the Holy Spirit's power shows up and can be available to us. But, but I wanted to stick with these three because these are the three that God really put in my heart as we were preparing this, as I was preparing this message with him this week. And so if you guys would, would you guys write this down? One of the reasons that I believe that we really need the Holy Spirit's power in our life is because of this. We need the Holy Spirit's power to accomplish, to accomplish his goals and to fulfill our purposes. To accomplish his goals and to fulfill our purposes. Our purposes to influence and serve the world around us. To do his work and his will to make him known. You know, maybe some of you guys in here have felt compelled and even convicted to do something for God. Maybe it's to evangelize or, or share the gospel or tell other people about Jesus. Maybe it's to invite friends to church. Or, or maybe God has called you to maybe join a ministry, to serve somewhere, to give some of your time and to help other people. Or, or maybe it's to change something in your life. Or maybe even go on mission trips. But, but you're, you're acting a little bit more like Prince Adam. You're thinking, oh, I just can't. There's no way. I, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I don't got the skills and the ability. Maybe you feel overwhelmed. And the prospect of doing something for God, it, it just feels very daunting. You know, there were some other people, the Jews actually in the Old Testament that felt the same way because God had called upon a certain group of Jews to go and rebuild his temple, which had been torn down. And, and he gave Zebrabel, sorry, this, this word always trips me up. He, he gave him the, the job of overseeing it, but he was just like maybe you and I sometimes where he felt like there's no way I can do this. This job is way too big, way too complicated, way too massive for me. I'm not skilled enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't got enough to do this. But take a look at what the prophet Zechariah told him from God himself. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. See what God is saying, stop looking at yourself. And stop thinking about how much strength and ability and skills you have. Because it's not by those things that you'll accomplish my will and my purposes. It is by my power. And some of you guys might be feeling the same way. You know, I know I felt that way. Especially when I started this job over 14 years ago. 
That means I was about two years old when I started this job. I'm just kidding. Uh, but when I did start this job, I was 22 years old. And I look back and I get to interact and see a lot of 22-year-olds because I've been here for quite a bit. And I think to myself, Pastor Gary, what were you thinking? I was only 22. How, how, how could you entrust in me the youth of our church? And I didn't know what I was doing. I had no experience. I mean, of course, I didn't tell Pastor Gary that. No, I, I mean, I did. I shared with him that I served in the youth ministry. I had a passion for youth and I loved God and I just wanted to be used by him in any and every way. And yet, here I was, I was given the keys to this ministry here of the youth. And man, I will be quite honest with you. There are so many times and so many moments that I felt so inadequate and so overwhelmed. I didn't know why I was chosen for this job. And then I look here 14 years later and I get asked the question, man, you've done such a great job, all of this stuff. And I know God has allowed me to be a part of it and this whole process. But when they ask me how... I only have one explanation, and I say, it's by the power of God. It's the Holy Spirit's power. Because if I'm honest with you guys, when I started this job, uh, I was a college dropout. I didn't even finish my bachelor's degree. Uh, what experience did I have? I served in youth ministry for a while. I, I played the guitar and sang some songs. But really, all I was equipped with and all that I had looking back was the Holy Spirit. And you know what? In reality, that's all I truly ever needed because in order for me and you to accomplish God's will and his work, we need his power. You know, the disciples understood this or disciples learned this as well. See, Jesus, before he left and he departed, he told the disciples, hey, will you wait? Before you go out, he, he commissioned them, right, to go out into all the world to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he said, will you wait? Will you wait? He says, wait, and then this is what he tells him to wait for in Acts 1, verse 8. I think you guys might have heard this verse a few weeks ago. Pastor Greg shared it. But this is what Jesus said to his disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You're going to basically do what I said. You're going to be my witnesses, but I want you to what? Wait. And these disciples were told to wait even though they had learned and they had lived with Jesus. They witnessed and experienced firsthand Christ's power. But Jesus said, you know what? Don't rely on that. I want you to wait. Wait for what? The Holy Spirit and his power. Again, I believe reminding us today as we read that, that there is a great need for us to have the Holy Spirit filling us with his presence and his power to do his will and to do his purposes. I, I, you know, for me, the Holy Spirit, and especially the idea of trying to describe his power is so big and so large. I, I need visuals. And so I looked online and I came up with all, there was all these illustrations that helped bring these home for me. And I wanted to share one of them with you guys right here. This idea of being filled and how we need it to accomplish God's purposes plan. Uh, there was this analogy of a guy with a glove. He says, look at this glove. It was designed for a purpose, designed for the purpose of possibly work, of lifting things. It, it was nicely made. It was stitched together, and, and it was put on, it was made for purposes, right? And, and maybe I could say, you know what, Glove, I want you to do this work for me. Go and lift that Bible. 
doesn't do anything, right? Well, maybe what the, what the glove needs is some inspiration. And so I can try to inspire it and encourage it and support it. You were made for this glove. You can do it. I believe in you. You must believe in yourself. You were equipped for this. You were made for this. You were designed for this. That's your identity. Believe it. Do the work. And it just sits there. And so maybe what this glove might need is maybe it needs some like discipleship or mentorship and some one-on-one. So here, I'll show you how it's done. See, look, glove, you pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down. You want to do this? Here, I'll help you. Pick it up, put it down, pick it up. All right, you do it. Come on. And, and yet it doesn't work. So, so maybe, maybe what the glove needs, maybe, maybe the glove needs some fellowship, right? It needs some friends, right? And, and then now together, collectively, all right, you guys can do it. You guys are stronger together. Lift the Bible. And, and yet still, it, it doesn't lift the Bible. And so maybe it just needs to make a commitment from this day forward. Glove, will you commit to being the best glove you possibly can be? Will you come and surrender your life to yourself and just make yourself useful and be used? And still, it won't do anything. And it's a silly, painful analogy, but basically, by itself, it's not capable of doing any, to do anything. Even though it was designed for purposes, designed for work, even though it was taken, there was time taken to make it, See, until it is filled, right, filled with a power that is not of itself, then and only then can it do what it was made to do. And, and that's what I hope that you guys would see in today's passages, that you and I, we were created and we were designed by God for great works and plans and purposes. But until we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we cannot accomplish it on our own. And now I wanted to share with you guys the second reason why I think it's so important that we have the Holy Spirit's power in our life. If you guys would write this down. We need the Holy Spirit's power to overcome trials and temptations. We need the Holy Spirit's power, again, to overcome trials and temptations. See, the reality of it is this. I'm pretty sure I'm speaking to the choir in this. Trials and temptations, those are things that are common to every single one of us. We each all struggle at some point or another in our life. We'll face difficulties, betrayal, loss. We'll be wronged, hurt. We'll be inflicted pain, mentally, physically, emotionally. There'll be circumstances that are just so hard to bear. There'll be illnesses that you and I might face. And so how, how, how do we overcome them? How do we get past them? How do we deal with them? Well, it's not by our own power, but by the Holy Spirit's power. See, this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 concerning especially temptations. In God's words version, it says this in verse 13, it says, there isn't any temptation that you have experienced which is unusual for humans. God who is faithfully, who, who faithfully keeps his promises will not allow you to be tempted beyond your power to resist. But, but when you are tempted, he will also give you the ability to endure the temptation as your way of escape. See, other versions note that he may give us a way out, but I, but I love this version because sometimes there's not necessarily a realistic way out, but there's a way out of, by enduring, right? And, and according to here in scripture, it tells us that it's not by our power, right, 
because he has to give us something. He has to give us the ability to endure. He tells us right here that the Holy Spirit's power is necessary for us to overcome and endure and persevere through the hardest and most difficult of temptations and trials. See, the reality of it is this. You and I, we cannot resist temptation. We cannot handle and endure trials on our own. Our, our power is not enough. We may be successful for a little while, but we all fail, even the best of us. And if you think about it, we have an enemy who is out there, as the Bible described, out there looking, prowling, ready to pounce. And we got to give him a little bit of credit. He is smart. He is cunning. And he is persistent, Satan himself. And, and so because of this reality, God knew that we needed something beyond ourselves. Because we can't go toe-to-toe. We can't go one-on-one with Satan. We can't even go toe-to-toe and one-on-one with ourselves and our, our sinful desires and our shortcomings and our failures. And because there are circumstances and because there are situations that just unfold, that are painful and difficult, that there's no way of escaping, I believe that God says, let me infuse you with the spirit of power, a power that is far greater than your own, a power that has the ability to raise Christ from the dead. See, we need a power that will help us not blow up and crumble when we face the fires of life. And again, you know, you could tell I'm a youth pastor. I want to show you another illustration of that. So this is kind of what I mean, right? When we come and we try to face life and do life on our own, it's kind of like us blowing up this balloon. It's all just full of ourselves, right? And this is us just living through life, going on our own, nothing else but ourselves. And then here's the reality. There are trials, there are temptations, there, there's fire that happens in our life that sometimes we just cannot avoid. And when we're just full of ourselves and we face these fires and these trials, it begins to burn up slowly but surely. And then all of a sudden, it pops, right? On our own, we can't. But, but when we are filled with something beyond ourselves, and and here in this balloon, I don't know if you guys can totally see it, but there's water in here. When we're filled with something beyond ourselves, and when the fires and temptations come our way, it won't burn. Whew, I'm so thankful that worked. (laughs) Whew, there would have been some upset pastures and (laughs) a broken iPad up here. But that silly analogy, I hope that shows you that You know, I don't know exactly how it works. There's some science behind it. But I believe, if anything, it shows us a little bit of what it looks like to live with the Holy Spirit filled inside of us. That when the fires and temptations and the trials come our way, if it's on our own, eventually, no matter how hard our effort is and how hard we try, no matter the power that we can muster up, we will eventually pop. But when we're filled with something bigger and something greater than ourselves, then we can stand up under the most hardest and most difficult of circumstances. And I believe a verse that best eloqu- eloquates this is in 2 Timothy 1.7. This is what was told to Timothy. He says, for God, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of what? Of power, dynamite power, explosive power, supernatural power, a power filled with what? And love and self-control. See, and I believe that's one of the most necessary things for us to handle trials and temptations, right? 
Because oftentimes when trials come, man, we, we're so quick to explode. I know even for myself, somebody cuts me off on a bad day. Man, I need some self-control in order to refrain from blowing up. Or, or you know what, when we're tempted, we're tempted by wanting to respond poorly or, or speak badly of someone or gossip or whatever it might be. Man, we need that self-control in order to overcome. But here's the thing. This is a reminder here that that self-control doesn't come from self, Right? It comes from the Spirit of God. Another verse that kind of shows this is in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22, verse 23. It says, the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of you and me, not by the efforts and the works of you and I, but the fruit of who? The Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and there's that word, self-control. Against all, against such things, there is no law. And so how is it that we produce more self-control so that we don't blow up, so that we don't give in to temptation? It's not by trying harder. It's not by trying to produce it on your own efforts and your own power. But by here, we're told because it is from the Holy Spirit and by his power that it is produced in us. And this brings me to the last thing that I want to share with you guys and why we need the Holy Spirit's power. Because as we look at that verse, we see all of these great qualities, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And I believe all of these things are things that we wish we were more of. At some point or another in our life, we say, man, I wish I was more patient. Man, I wish I was more kind. Man, I wish I was more loving. And so maybe we've made resolutions. Maybe we had great intentions to do so. But what happens usually with those New Year's resolutions and those great intentions, we often fall short. And that's why I believe we need the power of the Holy Spirit because here we go. This will you guys write this down. We need the Holy Spirit's power for transformation that is tried and true. If we want transformational change in our life, one that lasts, one that is permanent, it's not by our own production, but it is by the power of God. We need more power than just our own willpower. We need God's power in our life. If we want more of the fruit of the Spirit, then it must come from the Spirit. We don't go out and just say, you know what, I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to be more kind. No, the Holy Spirit, he has to grow it from the inside out. Right? It's like telling somebody, you know what, I'm just going to be more loving. You know what? I'm going to be more self-controlled. And what that looks like is like somebody taking oranges and just tying them to a eucalyptus tree and saying, you know what? This is now an orange tree. It doesn't work like that, right? The fruit must come out of where? From the inside out, right? And that's what I mean by the Holy Spirit has to be living in you and me and filling us. So from the inside out, we can produce these fruits. The Holy Spirit works within us to become more and more like Jesus, and this process of becoming more like Jesus is this fancy word that we use in the Christian community. It's called sanctification, okay? But this idea of sanctification is basically transformation to become more and more like Christ. But here's the thing about becoming more and more like Christ and experiencing that type of transformation in our lives. We can't reproduce it. We can't reproduce the character of Jesus on our own strength, right? Only the Holy Spirit has the power to make changes God wants in our life. And, and you know, 
I've been blessed uh, just this past year to be given an opportunity to move from our one-bedroom condo to a nice little two-bedroom townhouse in the past few months. And, and through this process, I, I've learned what it means to have true transformation and change. Because, uh, you know, we, we bought this new place, and even though it was new to us, it wasn't new at all, all right? Especially the bathroom. The bathroom was one of the places that we wanted to see change, that we wanted to see transform. transform. Why? Because take a look. This is our bathroom. It looks pretty nice. It looks decent. But if you took a closer look, it's dated. It's old. Uh, one of the big marks of that is, I don't know if you guys could tell what that floor is, but it's not porcelain. It's not tile. That's carpet, okay? I don't know, carpet, bathroom, guys, like that's not a good equation, okay? Uh, and, and so we thought, man, we need to change this. We, we want it to look different. And so we started watching those shows on HGTV, Flip This House, Property Brothers, uh, Home Hunters Renovations. I know way too much about this. But we started watching it, and then me and my wife, we were like, we want this dream bathroom. And so we started looking online, and we came up with this picture. We're like, this is what we want our bathroom to look like, all right? So we're like, let's Let's do it. How do we do it? Do we just get some paint? Do we just change out the fixtures? Well, most of you guys, if you guys have ever gone through a renovation, is no, you don't just slap some paint on the walls and you don't just change the fixtures. There's a lot that needs to be done in order for it to be transformed and changed in something brand new. And one of the things that we learned is that it, it's, it's going to be costly, right? I, I don't know if you guys kind of, I didn't know. I, I just thought, this looks good. Let's do it, right? And then we met with somebody who told us kind of what it would entail and how much it would cost, and my jaw just dropped because I was like, are you kidding me? Are, are you kidding? Do you guys know how much that tub costs? That tub alone is like anywhere from like a thousand to, depending on the quality of it, $2,000. But, but beyond that, beyond that, not just the tub. You think the tub and the faucet would come together? No, right? The, the, the faucet for the tub costs money too. And do you know how much that faucet costs? Again, it depends on the quality and the brand. But usually that, the cost of that faucet costs as much as the tub. What is that? Like they should come together. I don't get it. And then there's all these other things. The tile that you have to purchase, the glass, all the hardware, all these cabinets, everything. And I'm just like, this is way, way too much. And here's the thing. Maybe you want transformation. Maybe you want change in your life. And so you're going to call on the Holy Spirit to come and fill you and to produce that in you. But are, are you willing? Are you ready for the cost that might be involved in God to truly change you? See, one of the costs for God to truly change us will require what we learned in the cost of trying to make our bathroom different. And that is demolition right? We had to do this to our bathroom in, for, in order for us to actually transform it and change it. Now, our bathroom doesn't quite look like that nice bathroom because it was way too expensive, but, but, but in order for us to even begin the transformation and begin the change, we had to know that there was going to be a cost, and the cost was demolition. And you guys know that maybe if you're seeking transformation in your life, you, you want to quit a bad habit, you want to be more kind, you want to be more patient, then, then there will be a cost to that as the Holy Spirit is working in you and through you. Maybe he's going to have to take some things out for him to bring new things in. And it could be a messy, it could be a painful process for me. One of the things that I learned this in was when I was growing up in high school, uh, I got caught up in smoking thought I was cool, you know, smoked a cigarette here and there. And more than anything else, it was kind of this social thing with my friends. But as God was transforming me and changing me through his Holy Spirit's power, I quit once. 
And then I started again. And then I quit twice. And then I started again. And then I finally quit the third time and, and it, it stuck. And, and you know why I believe it stuck the third time versus the other two times? It's because one, I needed God's power. There was no way. I was just trying to do it on my own. I just thought, you know, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be strong enough. And then when I came to the third time, seeing how many times I had failed, I finally said, God, help me because I can't do it by myself. But then I didn't know that there was going to be this cost to that. What the cost was, was that all of a sudden the people that I hung out with when I smoked no longer would hang out with me. Why? Because maybe I would just remind them of what they're doing. Why? Because they didn't want to influence me or tempt me. But there was a cost to this transformation and this change. And see, the reality of it is this. Sometimes, you know what, there will be this cost of God wanting to remove some things, to tear some things out of your life in order to truly transform you and change you. And you know what, we don't normally think of God as one who destroys or tears down. And we don't think that the Lord would strike us down. But then the reality, the Holy Spirit, he may need to clean out the old before putting in the new. See, God's greatest of leaders, if you guys look through the Bible, were always broken before they were used. Noah spent 120 years laboring over a boat. Abraham wandered as a nomad. Moses fled luxury to tend to cattle. And even Jesus, he suffered in the wilderness. In fact, the Bible says Jesus, he emptied himself in order to redeem mankind. And so for many of us, if we want to be like these great men, when we ask God for his Holy Spirit's power for to transform us and to change us, he might first need to break us and empty us so that he could fill us with the spirit. So something to consider when trouble might come. Could it be that God is working to tear us down so that he can rebuild us up? It's a frightening thought, but one that we can rest assured in because there's this God that if he was willing to tear us down, he's a God that loves us and knows what's best. And so he'll do it in order to rebuild us up, to be something better and greater than we could ever be on our own. And so I hope that you guys, if you want that transformation that the Holy Spirit's power can bring to you, you be ready to pay the cost. And another thing that I've learned just through this whole renovation process in my life is that sometimes it, God's desire to change us and the Holy Spirit's power, it, it can be instantaneous. It can be so powerful that it could happen in a moment. But the reality of it is this. When we usually see God's work, it usually is over the course of time. See, the Holy Spirit, how does he work in our life? It's usually gradually. Because think about it this, like, like this, God, when he wants to create a mushroom, he takes just about six hours. But when God wants to create an oak tree, a mighty, powerful oak tree, it takes 60 years. Do you want your life to be more like a mushroom or an oak tree? See, we, if we're honest with ourselves, we didn't collect all of our hurts and our habits and our hangups overnight. And so why is it that we think that we should get rid of them overnight as well? So you and I, if we want to see God's power in us and through us and experience this transformational change, then we must know that sometimes it'll take some time. God has the ability and the power to do it right away. But here's the thing about God. He, he never rushes things. He never cuts corners. He, won't, he does things right. But see, I think for a lot of us, hurry has infected us. It's impacted us in how we live. It's even impacted the way we view God. When a loved one is ill, we think God should bring instantaneous recovery. When we've lost a job, we want God to step right into the time continuum and open up immediate opportunity. When we wrestle with a sin that we've had 
for so long, we think that God should bring about prompt delivery. But here's the thing. God is not about being an instant God. God is about a thorough God, right? God is a God that is never in a hurry. God wants to do it right. And God wants to do a work in you and through you to bring about transformation and change. And so what does God often do? God often allows his children to simmer in the crock pot of patient endurance. His divine recipe for our spiritual maturity includes nothing more dramatic than letting us sometimes wait for his perfect timing and plan to unfold. You see, he knows real transformation is refined. It's refined in the ovens of in the oven of days and months and even years, not in the popcorn setting of a digital oven. So have you maybe grown somewhat impatient with God or maybe you're right now getting fed up with him and tired of waiting? Possibly consider this. You've asked God for transformational change and power. Consider that he is possibly working in you and through you even right now, even though you couldn't see it. I remember through that renovation process, I asked them how long it would take. They said X amount of days and it usually turned to multiple, twice that, right? Or sometimes I would come day after day and think, what's going on? What's happening? And, and I wouldn't see much of a change, but in reality, they were always working. And in the same way, God is working within us to transform and change us. And so if we need God's power, we need the Holy Spirit's power for transformational change, but realize that it might cost us something. It might cost us some demolition in our life and it might cost us some time for God to do it right, to tear us down, to build us back up. And, and the way that I see it is this. And so I'm going to kind of play off of Pastor Greg's last example that he shared a few weeks ago when he talked about the Holy Spirit filling us and the lifelong process of it all. So here we are. This is us. We are a vessel for the Holy Spirit to fill. And so the Holy Spirit fills us, right? And there we are, supernaturally filled by his Holy Spirit. We are available, even for the rest of the world, to maybe drink and to taste good, right? To quench thirst. But, but here's the thing. As, as we're there, the reality of it is maybe sometimes we, over time, there are things that start impacting and affecting our life, causing the Holy Spirit to be quenched and his power to be not necessarily nullified, but not as effective as it should be because we're not allowing him to continually fill us anymore. So we're allowing other things to fill us. And so maybe some of us are allowing like envy, green with envy, to fill us. And so we become a little bit sour and a little bit bitter. And, and that starts to kind of impact our lives a little bit. Or, or, or maybe some of us, we, 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 we try on our own to look really good like vinegar. We look like water. But in reality, like we just, just stink, right? And, and we just try to make it all about our own efforts and our own power. Or, or, or maybe some of us, man, we have an issue with anger. And, and, and there's somebody that is just getting on our nerves. Someone cuts us off and we just get hot, like hot sauce, right? And, and it just starts to penetrate us little by little. Or, or maybe some of us, there are hang-ups that we have, addictions that we can't unbattle, that we, can't, we just lose the battle to over and over and over again. And, you know, Pastor Greg brought out a beer. I, I can't do that. I'm a youth pastor. This is apple juice, all right? But, but maybe... They're the hang-ups that we, we struggle with and we face and we allow it slowly but surely to fill and to contaminate our lives a little bit. And, and, then, and then maybe there are other things, hidden things, darker things in our life that we just, we try to hide and we don't want anybody to see, but it just kind of 
filters in to our being and to who we are. And then here we are, still filled with the Holy Spirit, still saved, but man, impacted by the sin and the struggle, the trials and the temptations, the insecurities that we face in our life. And so, man, no wonder we look more like Adam than he, man, because we're not being filled with his power. We're not being a testimony to the others around us because the world looks and says, I don't want to look like that. I don't want to be like that. And so what is it that we need to do here just to kind of show us? We need the constant filling of the Holy Spirit's power in our life. And, and it's slow and it's gradual, but as he continues to fill our life more and more and more, the old goes, the new comes, and slowly but surely we are brand new again. And as we're brand new again, we can be, uh, no vinegar, we can be the new life that God has created us to be, that, that witness to all of Judea, all of Samaria, the rest of the world. But not when it's by our power, but by God's power, because sometimes we may fail, we may slip up. And if that happens, we need to do what? Keep asking. And that's why it's so important that we keep asking God because daily, every day, we will continue to fall and mess up. And so this brings me to the last part of our message here today. How is it that we can experience the presence and experience the power of God to, to become more and more like him? What we need to do is a couple things, guys. We need to ask. And not just ask, we need to keep asking. Okay? We need to seek and we need to keep seeking we need to knock and keep knocking. And what this is in reference to, this is in reference to Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. And what it is, is the description of prayer that Jesus gives to his disciples. And this is what he says. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? God is ready. He is willing to give more and more of his Holy Spirit's power and presence in your life to fill you over and over again. But you might be sitting here thinking, no, but I keep messing up. I keep struggling with the same sin. I, I feel bad about asking over and over again. I wouldn't do that to my mom. I wouldn't do that to my dad. I wouldn't want somebody to do that to me. Well, thank God that God isn't like you and me, right? Thank God that he has his grace that is undeserved for you and I, that is limitless. And thankfully, his power as well has no end. And so for you and I, if we want to accomplish God's work, if we want to overcome trials and temptations that we face constantly, if we want to experience the change, but we get so diluted and polluted with all these different things, isn't it good to know that we have a God that says, keep asking me, keep seeking me, keep knocking, because I'm a good father and I'm a good dad, because I'm a good God, I'm a kind God, I'm an understanding God. If you guys know how to give good gifts, I think I know what I'm doing too. So what we want you guys to do is this, ask the Holy Spirit, seek the Holy Spirit, and, and knock on the Holy Spirit's door for his power. And, and what asking is, asking is done with our words. And so basically it's pray, pray and talk to the Holy Spirit. How many times have you really just called upon the Holy Spirit, talked to him and asked him for filling? If you haven't done so, I hope that today you will begin to do 
do it. Another thing is to seek, and seeking is done with our eyes. And one thing we can do with our eyes is we can begin to read. Did you guys know that the Bible is considered the sword of the Spirit? And so what opportunity we have to have this great power, like he-man pointed to the sky, I have this powerful sword that infuses me by reading God's word, the sword of the Spirit. And then finally knocking, knocking is done with our actions. And so it's not just praying and reading, but once we read and we learn, we can obey, right? We can obey and live in step with the Holy Spirit. But here's the difference between the Holy Spirit and He-Man, right? He-Man, it was just this power-up that would occasionally come and go, right? There one moment, gone the next. But we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and He is a person. It's a relationship that God has called us to have with Him. He is God, and so like a relationship, we need to keep asking Him, keep talking to Him, read His Word, allow Him to communicate with us. We need to walk with Him and be with Him to fill us with His presence and power since it's supposed to be spilling outside of us. He is the God inside of us, but he wants to continue to fill us with him, to overflow out of us. He didn't create us simply to be a reservoir for his Holy Spirit to sit and just stay stagnant. He created us to be like a river where the Holy Spirit will be overflowing in us and through us and out of us for the sake of so much more than just ourselves. So I don't know what you might be struggling with. I don't know what insecurities that you might have in accomplishing what God might be putting on your heart. I don't know what kind of change you may be seeing. But will you ask? Will you knock? Will you seek? We have the Holy Spirit and he's inside of us like he meant. We have the power inside. Let's ask him to unleash it. Would you guys pray with me now? Let's pray. God, we come before you and I know that in this group of people, there are many of us who, God, just feel so inadequate to do anything, let alone your work and your will. The idea of telling other people about Jesus frighten us to death, but God, would you remind us that you have given us not a spirit of fear, but of power to accomplish your work and your will. God, there are many of us in here that are struggling with trials and difficulties that, that are succumbing to temptation over temptation and we believe that we cannot overcome. Will you remind us that you have a, inside of us we have a power that rose Christ from the dead and so we can overcome any and every trial and fire of life. God, there are some of us in here that seek so badly to change. We know we need to be more kind. We need to be more patient. We need to be more loving. And we try and we try and we keep failing. God, would you remind us that the Holy Spirit is willing and powerful enough to produce a fruit in us. He might have to tear some things out. He might, we might have to wait as he continues to work slowly but surely in our life. But God, for that transformational change, God, he offers it to us because he has a power of great wisdom and love and he lives in us and so God help us today help us today to ask and to seek to knock on the Holy Spirit's door to receive his power not just for the moment but for every day to overflow in us and through us God we love you and thank you and we pray all these things in Jesus name Amen